Hello, my name is Kate Gingell, and you're listening to the Remarkable List podcast, your weekly and occasionally fortnightly conversation with remarkable people. Today, I'm with the remarkable Saskia Groen. Saskia is a wife and mum of three beautiful boys living in Sydney. Saskia works with Mission Beat, an organisation that has been serving the city's homeless for 35 years. And it's thanks to organisations such as this and people like Saskia that those who are on the streets homeless and often in distress are offered practical support and compassion where otherwise they may be completely isolated. I'm very grateful to Saskia for sharing her insights with us today. So Saskia, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to be interviewed today. It's lovely to see you. And um, before we get started talking about um, Mission Beat, perhaps you'd just share a little bit about your background and um, family life, etc. Current family life? Whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) Just so so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Yes, Mm. I am a uh, married mother of three boys 15 17 and 20 mm, beautiful boys, beautiful boys mm. yeah, mostly the time um but my my or my heritage mm. yeah I'm, I'm a migrant my family moved here when i was two um the equivalent dutch equivalent of the 10 pound poms mm-hmm. moved to queensland and grew up there in redcliffe just north of brisbane uh i'm the youngest of three and then went off to uni and mm. then ended up in Sydney and then the UK. Right. Mm. And, I mean, I've known you for a while and I, I do know you to be a little bit of a, um, a disruptor, if you like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when did that all start? I mean, yeah, it, you, you know, you have strong opinions um, on, on things and um, I know you used to yeah. march and etc. in your teens. Uh, I think probably... Um, well, a working class background helps, I guess, mm. um, and so you tend to be a bit more feisty. I also grew up in the era of Joe Bjorki Peterson, mm-hmm. which may you had no choice but to be more politically aware. And then I did economics at university and uh, learned about you know Marxism, so mm-hmm. I became a Marxist for a while there. So I guess you have a voice because we were pretty downtrodden in Queensland at the time. Mm. It were it was pretty awful um so the, the youth of course are the most vocal yes have, i guess yes. They're, they're, they're prickly and they've got less to lose i don't know so did you get into trouble at any stage i got into any... trouble a bit yeah mm. and, and redcliffe was it was a pretty rough area at the time not so now it's mm. a bit more gentrified but at the time mm. we had a lot of police issues and i right. fell in with a bad lot and right. had a voice so mm. yeah i did that's actually is why i wanted to continue my studies um, mm-hmm. because you don't have any power if you are just you know just living in a caravan park you know you mm. need to your voice mm. you have to unfortunately earn it out there yes so. did, did you ever think about going into politics actually did I I thought about going into law but mm. didn't um, mm. not at the time I think I got sort of you know in your 20s you become a little bit more of a capitalist and you mm. know I uh, started working for big corporations and that was fun and yeah. beneficial so I think that I got less socially mm. less social conscience through those years which is probably not unexpected I mean Pete you're looking to buy a house and yeah, you need exactly. asset mm. you know you want to acquire wealth through those years mm. and it's only as you get to the other side of all that mm. and you've got enough wealth that you can mm. become you don't have anything to lose again you know? and and, and find, perhaps find find oneself again also actually oh, i mean right. if you've been you know as a, a um 
amazing mum, you know, and bringing up three boys, but it's very time consuming as well. Oh, yeah. and, uh, Exhausting. Yeah, so, yes, yeah. Yes. And you're really putting your inputs into them, which is what it should be, because mm. they're the next mm. generation mm. of voice and mm. power, mm. Yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. social conscience. So exactly. you should concentrate on that. Yeah. And then once they're sorted or nearly, you yes. can start to look around yourself a bit more. Yeah. And as you, yeah, and as you say, they're aware those boys. I hope so, that, but yeah. who knows? Mm, you know, mm, they're still young. Mm, you know, mm. they're still forming their opinions. Mm. But I hope that they're at least open to mm. what goes on outside their white middle class yeah. world. Yes, you know? yes. And so you're now doing this amazing work with Mission Beat, which is an arm of Mission Australia. <clears throat> what? made you decide to go there I mean because you were always going to do something I think that was going to um, have an impact somewhere what what oh, what actually made you make that decision uh, there were a couple of things that changed I was I remember very clearly driving um, on South Dowling Street and I got at a red light and a young guy came up and asked for money through the window mm-hmm. And I gave him some, because most people would. And mm. you could see that he was sleeping rough and was an addict of kinds. You know, all his teeth were yellow and had the, the marks of um, a, a, an ice addict, at least. And he was very courteous and sweet and lovely and well-spoken. Mm. And I just could... I could transpose one of my children's faces on him. I just, Mm. and it was haunting. And I thought, my God, what's happening? And suddenly I became more aware of the increase in homelessness of people on the streets. I mean, when I was a kid, you saw an American program with a homeless person on every corner and you thought that was an extraordinary world. It was unimaginable that we encountered that. Now you walk through the centre of town and we've got exactly that. So it became clear that this was on the increase right Mm. before our eyes and I don't think I was even observant of it before Mm. that I came across that kid. So that's when I started researching a lot more about homelessness and the statistics of it and Facebook liked a whole bunch of um, corporations and homelessness New South Wales and Mission Australia because they work heavily in that field and a lot of places, Wakeside mm. Chapel, just to see what they were putting out information-wise and that's and that's, that's where, where it began. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you get in touch with them? In the no, end, what, oh, that... it was just luck, serendipitous. Yeah. Mission Beat put out a post that they were looking for volunteers Right. and I thought, yeah, I could do that. At the mm. time it was meant to be four hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought, oh, that'd be in, great to travel in the Mission Beat van. That was mm. an amazing insight. So I started with them, and then uh, within about two or three months, they asked me to work for them. Right. And that's where the whole working for them began. That was Australia Day the year before last. Right. Yeah. And so what what do your days look like? Uh, well, I start work just before 7 a.m. Mm. We work every day of the year for 16 hours a day we work from 7 till 10 30 mm. obviously that's two shifts yeah. of, of, of um stuff yeah. mm. and uh so we head out in the van pretty early because uh, prior to that you know our clients were asleep and mm. um we do transports because it's difficult to get between a lot of homeless people who are trying to find accommodation are bouncing between Centrelink and Housing New South Wales because they need to do all this stuff in person and then into maybe a hostel if they're lucky and then a food service. So they're bouncing all over Sydney mm. uh, and many of them have got physical impairments just 
through age or living rough so it's hard to get around so we provide transport for them and then once they're in that van it becomes almost like a confessional a lot of stories come out you get to figure out what's actually going on with that person Mm. and provide information or assistance yeah because we're really an information source it's very fragmented homeless Mm. services as more so than any other business because it's come through the churches and logically you know there's so many bodies involved so it's mostly figuring helping people figure it out so i mean a key part of what you do actually is asking the right questions and listening and listening to them and actually really and so it's a compassion but the intelligence combined really and we're trained in that that it's open-ended questions okay it's active listening and all that stuff but i think you have to be a fairly special type of person to it well one to want to do it in the first place but two to actually cope probably with what you are seeing on a daily basis because I imagine it must be quite distressing at times sometimes yeah Mm. especially when I first started I remember Mm. I used to go to bed and relive every single interaction and try and work out how I should have done it better Mm. (laughs) so I do that less now and I hope that's not some sort of desensitizing hopefully not but it uh, it's just getting better at it because you know doing any job you'd get a bit better at you stop you stop to worry about yes stop stop worrying about some of the things but uh, yes And I suppose you, I mean, as awful as it sounds, because I'm sure, I mean, most of the situations are sad and some of them will be particularly bad, but it is mm. it is something you're seeing literally on every time you go out in the van. Yeah. So it's not becoming hardened to it, but it's just becoming used to it, I suppose. I guess so. in a but way, even that's a, a bit yes, scary, I isn't it? it? Yeah, I, guess, I guess so. I guess no, so. and look, no, it doesn't mm. ever become, there's never a day that you don't have something that is mm. heartbreaking, mm. but... You know, if you're making it a little bit better, you can at mm. least, you know. And and when our clients disappear off our radar, I always, I am a glass half full person, mm-hmm. and I think that helps if mm. you're an optimist. Mm. So when they disappear, my assumption is that they've gone off somewhere lovely mm. and they're housed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now I know that's not necessarily <laughs> the case. You know, mm. some of them die on the street. That happens yeah, too. Sure. So um, mm. and winters must be particularly yeah. bad, are they? Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes. And just I mean, before we actually move on to the the people you're seeing on a daily basis, so, you know, I you obviously, I mean, you in, in a way you you enjoy getting to know them, mm-hmm. I guess, and finding out what their problems are. But have there also been some, you know, some frightening moments? Have you, you know, have you felt threatened at times? Oh uh, yes, mm. uh, and not often though. Yeah. I, I mean, we have a, a sort of a the van sort of we have got a sort of grate between the driver and the right. back of it right um and clients often ask whether that's you know a good or a bad thing mm. and I, there's only been twice i think where i've felt threatened and it's only because someone has is coming down off a, a high yeah. you know, usually mm. ecstasy and there can be sort of lots of paranoia associated with right. that right. so it's not really it never aimed at me so I don't mm. take any of that personally mm. I know mm. that that in fact m- our clients love Mission Beat and mm. I know that so mm. if there's aggression it's at life at, mm. and they're stressed yeah. you know these yeah, people sure. are unbelievably stressed and we mm. all behave badly stressed uh, let alone if you've got other impairments and they can't communicate very well often Mm. there's mental health issues Mm. and then there's uh, there may be drugs issues Mm. so um and it was also quite when i was just starting so i probably wasn't as good at it Mm. then as i am now so maybe i didn't help i don't know (laughs) but rarely you know Mm. yeah 
And so it's, it's, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I've copped more abuse probably from the general public than I have from that interesting? our clients. Our clients yeah. are far friendlier than more I, hu- yeah. most human beings. Because mm. I was just thinking, as you were saying, there is a tendency by the general public, and I know I've been guilty of that myself. It's a, it's a them and an us thing, and so they're not, mm. you know, treating them as... Mm. as being different or not you know it's, it's well a, and it's I can understand sad. people being um, a bit wary because you mm. don't know if the person sitting on the corner does have the kind of mental health issue where they will abuse you mm. and mm. and that has happened but generally it's not and no. and it, almost all the time it's not and that's why you know some of those tv programs that have been coming out recently mm-hmm. have been really good for that to yeah. just see how human yeah exactly and how mm-hmm. easy it is to mm-hmm. fall into homelessness mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it, and usually it's a couple of really terrible things have happened and they haven't had a support base mm-hmm. you and i have got support we've got family yeah. and friends yeah. but some people don't yeah. and then no. they're left yeah. with nothing and so getting into that in the sort of different groups of people, um, I know you've mentioned to me that there's an increasing number of, of sort of middle-aged women, yep. but there's obviously teenagers as well who yep. perhaps things are going on at home and they can't, they just can't deal with. But yep. what is the, what's the sort of largest uh, group and the, and the reasons, do you think, or is it just you just uh, can't generalise like that? It's The largest group probably is still men sort of between 20 and 50 that's a giant group anyway isn't mm, it there's mm. a growth in women mm-hmm. um founding themselves without a bed to sleep in yeah that, and that's become pretty clear I mean, in fact only, only this last week i've seen more and that's because they definitely don't have the support system underneath them and um, they haven't got, you know, pensions and supers and all that sort of stuff mm. that, where they can hopefully pay for or a training. With. So if you're trying to find a, the kind of rent that you need in Sydney and you have worked for 20 years, you know, you're not mm. going to get the kind of job that's going to pay Sydney rents, you know. Yeah. So. so explain a little bit. So these are people, these are women who have actually had a perfectly good home but they might have got divorced and because they've got no Perhaps, yeah. no training and haven't worked for a while, then they literally yeah. have, if they don't have, family or friend support then they have yeah. they have nowhere to go yeah especially with mm. the rent so high yeah. it is just yeah. so phenomenally expensive mm. to live in mm. sydney but they can't leave sydney because then without it you don't have the support that support services you don't mm. have you know drop-in centers and uh you know department i don't know hospitals or whatever mm. you need mm. you know a lot of it's here and accessible yeah we have better services here than we have in just about every other city i think mm. um, and you said that you often central station is a is a yeah. sort of collection point as yeah. people come into sydney because yep. they're aware that services yep. are better yeah here yeah mm. well yeah more plentiful more accessible i guess yeah so central of course if you are doing it on a shoestring you're going to catch a bus or a train so mm. it's going to be central mm. that so there's a lot of people sleeping rough at central every night and do you know, I mean, roughly the, the numbers, the, the numbers that are housed and, and the numbers that aren't housed. And you mentioned an enormous figure of homeless people. Oh, there's uh, homelessness <coughs> in Australia is about one hundred and five thousand people. Wow. So we're only wow. dealing with the tiny bit at the. We're really the pointy end of it, the rough mm. sleepers. That's mm-hmm. as homeless as you're going to get. But mm. so a lot of people are basically, and I think it's. I think the definition is something about whether you've got a secure place of your own basically so a lot of people are couch surfing or and there's a lot of women in their 50s and 60s who are staying with other women in Mm. their 50s and 60s you know that's Mm, their only way of survival and so they'll be literally in the living room so that's that's homeless you know and 
and I've met a lot of young couples who are sleeping in their you know mother-in-law's garage or and there's people sleeping in cars of course you know mm. um, so what we're dealing with when we do the street count which is twice yearly that's part of the Sydney City Council and I often participate in that I think the last one there is a d- reduction there's sort of like 354 500 people sleeping rough and that's just set city central you know that mm. doesn't stretch to Bankstown Parramatta mm. you know it's a really short catchment because we're literally walking the streets counting people it's you know it's not doesn't there's a lot of people yeah <laughs> yes I don't think in doorways you know unless you're involved in it, have no idea no, no. and um just go to, to um teenagers I suppose mm. um I mean, as I was saying, I suppose some are out on the street because they're, they're in unbearable situations mm-hmm. at home. Um, but there's obviously a drug problem. There's obviously a, a, an alcohol problem. And uh, which comes first? And does it, you know, uh, do kids on the street actually find that that is a way for them to um, cope. to cope better yeah. and therefore they've been completely clean before that? Or, or is it... Make, Possibly, you know, yeah. And mm. I, there's, oh, these are only anecdotal, so I sure, don't know the sure. numbers. Mm. But I've mm. had clients who've... Um, you know, maybe been ADHD uh, mm. and started on a program of meds early on and that sort of normalised it and right. maybe they've... And then they couldn't get the... You know, they came off the Ritalin and they tried something else. So there can mm. be a step into it. Mm. Um, and from what I've read, you know, prescription opioids can be a step into it. I'm sure I read the other day that it only takes a week to become addicted on prescription opioids. Really? Yeah, so be careful. And... <laughs> wow. uh, and then you can't access that and you know mm. a lot of sporting injuries can lead that way so Goodness. everybody anybody is uh, wow. is mm. it can happen to any of mm. us you know bad uh, we had a lot of clients who through bad motorcycle accidents have become addicts and never really yes you just don't it's just that out there you just be careful amazing. you yeah. know and yeah. likewise if any of your relatives you know need to take those sorts of drugs just just be aware mm. how easy it is. It is to sort of slip yeah. into. Yeah. Um, Gosh. Where were we? Into oh, addiction. Teenage. I mm. mean, the young are prioritised and rightly because mm. you can turn a corner very quickly when mm-hmm. they're still young and get mm. them back educated. And there's some fantastic programs in the city, um, at particularly uh, Oasis is a, a under 25s place, and I believe right. they're bringing in a new education program so kids can get their HSCs through that right. and all that stuff. Right. And there's a lot of good legal services. So under 25s are prioritised, mm. yep. Mm. And likewise, um, Aboriginal services are, are pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. because mm. it's well aware of the, the problems that are endemic there. Mm. And, you know, that's just a, le- a lot loss of community as yeah. well. It can be devastating. So... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Do you get involved with the teenagers' families at all, or is that that's not, not a, no, 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 that's no not, all that's I do, I don't, wouldn't dare because mm. you don't know the backstory. No, exactly. And yeah. we often have people call us looking for people. We would mm. never hand on that. We would never hand information on to the caller about our clients. Mm. We need to protect the clients at all yeah. costs. We might hand the client Info- any yes, information, sure, and, and sure. then it's up to mm. them because people mm. are fleeing yeah. often yeah. terrible circumstances. Yes, so you, yes. Our, absolutely, our priority is our client. Yeah, yeah. Or our, you know, and domestic which, violence with women as well. I imagine. So. Yes, yes, that's yeah. right. And that's mm. again, it's, thankfully, it's prioritised mm. um, mm. because it's so terrible. I mm. mean, the numbers are devastating. So right. they have to. 
Oh, yes, there are domestic violence lines, but that's, you know, the people who at least call them are on a step in the right direction. My mm. concern is for the people who would never call them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And do any of the people you see, are they able to work? I mean, do they have, do they have part-time jobs and that sort of thing? Yeah, if they can find work. Some of them, mm. they're usually ones who are not... If you're rough sleeping, you can't because your whole day is filled with finding food and shelter. There's no way mm. you could work into that, especially having to travel on public transport and the cost of that. Yeah, you of you can't mm. possibly be looking for a job. I, mm. You know, you're supposed to be, but I don't see how, mm. that's, how that can be. So the people who are in hostels mm-hmm. uh, often are, and they're ex- and they are aided with that through the staff at the hostels. And a lot of them do provide. So. Yes, some of them are. And if they're in a hostel, is that an ongoing? Do, is that an indefinite? Uh, once they have a bed in a hostel, is no? They generally yeah. they're they're meant to be temporary until you're on your feet, and they're you know. So the hope is that you then will eventually get your own place. But mm. they're assisted through all that process. Mm. So mm. hopefully, it's sort of three weeks, three months, six months, whatever it right. takes okay. for someone yeah. to be settled. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that th- that can be good. They, mm. they get a lot of help mm. there. Good help, I think. And I just touching on perhaps on mental health as well. Mm. Um, and are there a, is there a high statistic of people with with mental health problems? Or because I think again, one well, perhaps makes an assumption that is that is the case, but actually it can be you know ghastly, but everyday problems that actually I suppose put people out. Um, yeah, into I that think situation. falling into homelessness can happen very easily to any of us, mm. but. Our clientele, don't forget, are mostly rough sleepers. Mm. So again, it's they're a small, and so yeah, mental health. They're usually complex, have yeah. complex needs. Yeah. We would say so. There's more than one thing going on mm. often, mm. and and mental health with addiction is not unusual. Yeah, because it's a coping device as well. You yes, know? exactly. And mm. If you haven't had the right meds all your life, mm. you know, you're going to. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And do they have access? Because I know you take them for, you know, medical appointments and that sort of thing. I mean, how do they have access to, to mental health practitioners at all? Or Yeah, well, if if we have a client who's suicidal, mm. we would take them straight to emergency right, at okay. any of the big hospitals. Mm. Um, and they are great. Mm. So, and then mm. they go through that system and mm-hmm. they all have mental health wards. So, right, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's an incredibly important part of also what you do. I mean, it, it all is, but uh, yeah, to have to we have, have a lot of yeah, yeah. Big clients who mm. are suicidal because mm. if you oh, we know the connection between depression and suicide mm. anyway. Um, mm. So if you are then sleeping on the streets and you have no community, no friends, mm. you know, so you can see why people cluster together when mm. they're homeless because mm. you need something. Yeah, you yeah. Know, human beings just require that. And, yes. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. So there's dep- yeah, suicide is a mm. big factor mm. when you're at when you're that have it that bad. Yeah. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we yes, we'll think we'll those things. Yes, life is not. If you're ever going to have those thoughts, so tough. Yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, with with particularly in Sydney, but I imagine all over Australia, with house prices increasing and rent increasing, it is only going to be an increasing problem. Yep. There are, I mean, there are a lot of people on a knife edge as we speak because there's no buffer. If all of your salary is going towards your rent, Mm. like 80% instead of 30%, whatever Mm. it should be, uh, it doesn't take much. If you lose your job, you're out within weeks instead of months Mm. now. I mean, Mm. that's all changed. Mm. So if you don't get another job within weeks, which, of course, is difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, all of the homeless services will give you those stats. You know, you can get all that info, but they're very concerned mm. that the number of people who are really, really on a tightrope mm. um, and where that could go. Yeah, so that's pretty. D- so what what can be done? I mean, I suppose first of all, from a state point of view, from a government, but also from perhaps from an individual point of view as well. Yeah. I would say. Uh, your first port of call, I would love everybody to pressure the governments to doing more to stop the increase in house prices and rents and release some of the tens of thousands of empty properties mm. in each city mm. back into rental. And that's just not happening. That You know, they need to have... It, it can't even be a fine. You know, it's got to be... If you don't rent out that property... You, you, you know, it goes back to the state or something. Yeah. You know, saying yeah. I'll find you five thousand dollars is a joke. You yes, know, especially yeah. if you're an overseas buyer, you don't have because mm-hmm. the land value is is what you're after. You're not trying to get rent. You don't care about that. It's a big headache. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of people aren't bothering to rent out. They're just waiting for the value to increase or until there's a whole row of houses they can bulldoze or whatever. So there's a lot of that. So if we could Mm. release property into the rental market, which I think is a really, that's a quick fix. Mm. Um, Mm. And then of course, negative gearing has meant that our general house prices are are high. So that hasn't helped. Mm. Um, It's unaffordable housing. And there's and people want to stay in Sydney. That's where their community is. That's mm. a big part of it. So um, that would be my first port of call is to become aware of that. And, you know, if you want to write a letter, great. Mm. And then on the individual basis, uh, these all of these bodies are always looking for funding. You know, the drop-in centres, there's four or five big ones in Sydney. They're always, a lot of them are uh, supplemented by donations. Right. Um and this is for food, drop-in for food? The drop in, drop a drop-in in? centre is a place to go during the day. It doesn't right. have accommodation, but it, it means a rough sleeper or anybody can go and have either cheap or free food mm-hmm. and showers right. and washing facilities. Right. Yeah. This is where... So the Wayside is one of those, and there's mm. a few others. There's a council ones, mm. and, um, and, they, and they've also got people there who can hopefully interact with them and get... Right. some knowledge you know the sort of case workers and things so like volunteer that. i mean people could volunteer absolutely uh, they don't have to have any special uh, they probably have some they get trained training. Yeah. but all mm. of those so there's the station drop-in center there's loose place it's a ladies one uh there's street level that's a salvos one um and there's the wayside chapel have uh, volunteer programs and mm. they train you and yeah. Right. So that's a great way yeah. to get involved yeah. and it gives you a perspective. Mm. And then there are other food services that come in and out and a lot of them are church-based. Mm. Um, the Exodus Foundation does a lot of great work. That's in Asheville, but they right. have food services as well. Again, right. always looking for volunteers. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, you know, there are, there's a Korean church that does stuff. There's a load of places mm. that... Mm. So helping, they always need new people because people leave. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and even around here, there are sort of soup kitchens and stuff, mm. you know, so mm. that's mm. a great thing. Okay. Yeah. And things, and in winter, I mean, I know that you've asked for blankets and We're just, so, just very sort of yeah. Yeah, simple yeah, things yeah. like that. For us, because um, we, yeah, we deal with the rough sleepers, yeah. we always need blankets. Mm. Yoga mats are great because they oh, yeah. go underneath. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yes, to give a bit of... Um, so oh, ours are yeah. very simple mm. needs. It's mm. basically those first steps, you know, <laughs> to survive. Yeah, yeah. And blankets even in summer. I mean, because it gives a sense of protection if you're sleeping on a park bench, even if it's hot. If you've got something over you, you can imagine 
it give that becomes your shelter. Yes, you know, yes, that's, yeah. It's a barrier between. Yeah. It, you're you less remember. exposed. Mm. It's, mm. Uh, mm. Have you? I mean, just from your own personal point of view, have you seen or come across? You know, you've had a day where you just thought, I just can't go back, or does it actually make you more? When you see things that really make you distressed, and does it make you more keen to? Oh to yeah, help? no. But my my frustrations have never been about the clients and what we do you know but you know i get frustrated at other things of Mm. course you know Mm. so it has changed how has it changed your outlook i suppose or your on life what's it done for you so it's been nearly two years is it since you've been working for them since Mm. i volunteered Mm. uh i guess uh, if it's changed me a lot I do on a purely ba- <laughs> daily basis I find yeah. myself always looking in doorways which is really weird right. <laughs> you know, I just can't stop now <laughs> one of my colleagues was out on a date with a lovely young lady and he said oh I found myself walking down the street and all I could do was look in doorways really? <laughs> I was like I have to switch oh, this no. off you know um yeah. yeah I find I'm always scouring the streets oh, that's strange that, that's just habit um I don't know how else. I've, I found myself a bit more vocal, I guess, because mm. I'm just frustrated you mm. know, with things as it is. Do you tell your boys about the things you see or do you protect yeah. them from you? Do yeah. yeah, so there's no... Well, they're all, you know, 15 to 20, yes, so they're yeah, old yeah. enough to take it and mm. they need to know this stuff too. And mm. they go to school in Darlinghurst, right? They know, mm. They're not yes, no, they're not from, going to be... They know it's there. It, yeah, they exactly. may as well understand yeah. the kind of people yeah. they're seeing mm. sitting on mm. benches and mm. understand how what's going on behind mm. that so mm. yeah so for the next few years you'll just you know you'll you'll see yourself just um you know continuing and doing yeah things. i think yeah. so yeah mm. yeah i've thought, thought about a few other things you know there's a few other facilities that are really great there's a medically supervised injecting rooms i'm a big fan of they're oh, in right. sydney and right. i think oh, i wouldn't mind working there because they're they do such a great service. There's a lot of great. That's I suppose that's what I've learned is that mm. there are so many people doing amazing, amazing things. things. So mm. that's heartening, you mm. know. Whatever mm. the government's doing on the ground, there are people doing fantastic things. Yeah, and yeah. for nothing, you mm. know, just because it's the right thing to do. And that's that's great when I see that. Mm. You know, it makes me feel like that reinforces my faith in yeah. our, our yes. people you know but it's interesting that you have to you know be involved in doing what you're doing to actually become aware of that mm, i guess so. but maybe it's that was a... just my own naivety well, I beforehand know. i don't no. know but yeah. yeah i guess it's when i it helps when i walk into one of these services i guess i see it whereas most people don't go inside but mm. but it it you could find out about it you mm. just scratch the surface mm. you see there's some people doing really lovely things. So there's some, you know, there's some uplifting. It's it's not all yeah. doom. I mean, I one, you're you're seeing the difference that you and others in Mission Beat make, which is, you know, obviously like um, re- rewarding. But there's some. Well, those you know, I'm sure <laughs> it is. I think, um, uh, you know, and I, I mean, on that note, I, we've sort of run out of time. Okay. But but I do, you know, I have you got any last words that you'd like to add no i just you know if everybody's just it's just empathy and i dare mm. say everybody who listens to your 
podcasts are already empathetic people. There's mm. nothing mm. I can teach anybody there. Well, they get well it. I think you they have. Get it. I think you have. And I think, you're, as you say, I mean, as I say, you know, you are remarkable. Yes. And I'm very, very grateful to you for, for sharing all that because it is important for people to know. And uh, I, I was staggered by the numbers, I must say. Mm. And, um, 105,000 people. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's something. And huh? In an in affluent, you know, yep. country that seemed to yep. be, you know, yep. God's yep. land or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, well, thank you very, very much My indeed. Pleasure. And take okay. care. Thanks, Saskia. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Remarkableness podcast today and thank you again to Saskia for sharing her insights with us. If you haven't already subscribed to the Remarkableness podcast, you can do so on iTunes. Um, And if you'd like to find me on Facebook, um, my Facebook page is Kate Gingell, The Remarkableness of Us. Thank you for joining me and see you next week.